gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 88, the review segment for Friday, September 25th, 2015. So many fives. Uh, this week we're going into outer space. We are. Outer. Yeah. Space. It's, uh, it's not a review of Inside Lewin Davis, though now I kind of wish it was. Uh, the Martian, it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival a couple weeks ago. It is uh, opening in theaters next week, uh, but we're jumping on it a little bit early because, you know, you may have seen the Toronto reviews and uh, none of us saw Hotel Transylvania too. <laughs> and we have to bring him home. Yeah, <laughs> this no is your time. chance to start sing- singing that lame Miz patch. Is you going to take it? Bring him home. Oh, that was that bring was my favorite part of him the home. <laughs> bring him home from Mars. David, this is what you missed from not seeing The Martian with us in Toronto. <laughs> it was a lot of that wow. before the screen During started. During the movie. I did see uh, The Martian in Toronto, but... Not, not with you. Not in the 4D experience of Matt Patch's singing lame Miz. <laughs> Only the shitty post-converted 3D experience. Yeah, the movie is in 3D, which uh, we can talk about later. But uh, for the basics, it's based on a pretty popular book that uh, Matt Patches would describe as a Reddit thread b- brought to life. It's a, uh, a apparently highly scientific version of a kind of Robinson Crusoe story of what would happen if a guy got stranded on Mars and had you know basic NASA equipment but wasn't totally prepared to survive there but tried to find out a way to uh, live anyway. Matt Damon plays this guy Mark Watney who was part of a six-person crew exploring Mars. This is set somewhere in the near-ish future in which we have manned exploration of Mars. The Ares program. The Aries program. It's a, yeah, the book gets into very elaborate detail of how this entire program would work and be funded and all that. And how people the movie, poop on ships. Yeah, the movie is mercifully a little less detailed. Uh, he There's a sandstorm and he gets abandoned. His crew thinks he's dead, but he is alive. And basically he's finding, he's kind of jury rigging away, not just to survive, but eventually make his way back to Earth. There's a really large supporting cast of people both on the spaceship and his crew and back on Earth who are kind of figuring out how to make all of this work. Um, I don't know. Real quick, guys, who is your favorite person in this movie? Who 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 do you like in this movie? Who's not Matt Damon? Who's not Matt Damon? Well, Jessica Chastain is pretty okay. Good David. Who do you like in this movie? Who's not Matt Damon? Uh, nobody. But I okay. don't. I don't dislike Jessica Chastain. Okay. You don't in like fact, I don't the dis- I don't dislike any of the people on the uh, part of his original team. I dislike actively everybody. All right, who well, is on the ground. We're, oh, wow. Well, we're going to get there. I wanted to use that as an example for how big the cast is. Uh, I'm going to put it out there. I like Donald Glover. We can get into wow. that personal that statement is later. Be the divisive comment of the, of the podcast. I so, hated him in it. All right, so Patches, I want to start with you because I think your opinion is interesting because you really hated the book to the point that you couldn't finish it, but then uh, uh, wound up liking the movie. How did uh, how did it pull that off? Yeah, I feel bad because a lot of people love this book. Quite Whatever. The book's a bestseller. Who cares? Just thinking about it. Um, a lot of people are stupid. It's a stupid world. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are things to like in the book, and they be- create the foundation of this movie. I like that the science is thorough, um, That's and it still drives an action. Uh, David, I think I saw you make a point after you saw The Martian about how this movie is all about uh, telling and not showing, and I couldn't disagree 
more because in the book it's really about telling like let me just go on and on about the science and you know every move and it's in this horrible voice you know Andy Weir is a mathematician Andy Weir the author of the book uh, the author of the book is a mathematician and physicist first and a a storyteller second Uh, prose is not his strong suit and most of the book is told in first person from Matt Damon or Mark Watney uh, his point of view and he speaks like a 15 year old on Reddit, and it just drives me nuts. The the tone. I mean, it, it's written like in the in the voice of a zanga or something, and it's just awful. And but all of that, and and the light, fluffy tone of the text uh, is very well incorporated in this movie because Matt Damon. Matt Damon can be a regular Joe. He can be really funny, um, and sometimes it borders on being really annoying. Uh, you know, in the book, every other sentence is an exclamation. Ends with an exclamation point. Everything's great. Science is fun. Um, but Matt Damon can really say something like, I'm going to science the shit out of that and almost sell it. Those are the lines that kind of teeter on the edge of believability, but I can imagine him keeping himself afloat because he's such a fun-loving guy, an optimist, a really bright scientist. Uh, and, and the movie... Him, yeah. Uh, go, sorry, you can finish. No, I was just going to say that a lot of the... You know, half the movie is spent watching him fix problems it's like macgyver what's the next thing for him to conquer but it's a lot of of doing it as opposed to sitting and doing first person found footage talk to camera type stuff uh he's going out there and and planting crops or he's going to go on a rover mission and and fix his rover or do this and do that and we get to see the procedure of that and it really fits into ridley scott's what his motivation as a filmmaker i think if you go back to to blade runner to alien he's just as obsessed with architecture and functionality just how do these worlds work that's where he comes from as a filmmaker we've talked about on this podcast before he's he's a real designer i don't know if he's a great visionary but he certainly has a way with the aesthetic and how his worlds operate and this movie plays into his hand this is a movie about how do you get a person back uh the emotional journey of that then sustain yourself and but also the practical practical elements of that journey uh it loses a lot of momentum in the final acts i don't really care you know this is not gravity gravity i think is a masterpiece i'll stick to that years later um, but The Martian is a lot of fun because there's a lot of voices and a lot of problem solving. And if you're into solving math problems in your spare time, <laughs> this movie's fun. <laughs> As we all are. But it doesn't, I just wanted I mean, to give... Like, I, I wanted well, to give... you're involved in solving blah, math problems. David, it's just one, like... one second. I just wanted to give Matt Damon... This is what I was trying to interrupt about before, just credit, in that he is also expressing emotions that aren't in the book because you get to see him in real mortal danger and being afraid, like in the first scene yeah. of the movie where he's... Maybe not the first scene, but early on where he's kind of performing surgery on himself, himself and you see this mm. genuine fear in his eyes, and I think that goes a long way toward making that character feel real. Ridley Scott, really into performing surgery on yourself. Yeah. Uh, anyway, David, sorry to... I, just, I still Come struggle on. with the showing and not telling thing because it's not as if you are... Um, I mean, it's so. It's all. It feels like you're reading somebody solve these problems. He's saying, "Okay, I have X many potatoes, and I need them to last for so and so long." And he's telling you all this. He's narrating it to his little video thing, his diary, which is the oldest device for the sort of monologuing in the book, and also the most boring. And he's, uh, you know, planning these roads of potatoes, and he's going to tell you exactly how long they're going to last and what they're going to do. Um, there's really only one time in the movie where anything 
doesn't go according to his plan um, where he has to, we experience something with him and he has to start over. Um, and by that point, I was really just hoping that the adventure would move along and he would get home because, of course, he's going to get home. Uh, so I was not all that thrilled to see that sequence. But um, would I, I would have enjoyed this movie so much more, to go back to Katie's point about how large the cast is, if it really had stuck to its own guns and really just been this story of a guy trying to survive on um, on Mars. It is complicated by a completely dull story of the people on Earth trying to run NASA like a corporation and dealing with the politics and the PR of how to tell the world that this guy's alive, what the cost is going to be to get him back, how long it's going to take, which scientists can do it? I get it. It's hard. Um, it's not easy. I don't think Matt Damon's character expects that it's easy. He knows right from the beginning exactly how long it's going to take. Uh, he communicates with them, which is a nice little breakthrough moment. Um, which but it is, doesn't actually take as long as he thinks. Everything, right. everything that he plans is still susceptible to uh, to, to failure and to but, change. Yeah, but Jeff Daniels is the head of NASA and Chiwetel Ejiofor is his second in command uh, and Donald Glover a wolf uh, and um, still like him and who is uh, I can't even remember who's the the woman on earth who Mackenzie Davis no it's Kristen Wiig is, Mackenzie Davis is good uh, Kristen Wiig is and this is saying something her worst role uh, so mean, so used no but like it's a it's, it's like kind of insulting and and really off-putting, I thought, I thought, to see this character that was so transparently a tool for the story. Um, to see her in, like, Nasty Baby, which she's in later this year, where she's playing a real full-blooded woman. I mean, not like, every oh, actor yeah. and not every character is going to be. I know, but this was egregious. This, oh, is, this is egregious. Yeah, I uh, mean, if that's that, that's your main takeaway, that you're upset that Kristen Berg doesn't have much more to do, I feel like you're not like the meeting thing, the, no, movie where the, movie. the movie. My main takeaway, I'm just saying it's emblematic of how all of the... Uh, human characters function on Earth. Not to say that there are characters of other species, but they—they uh, um, none of them have anything to do. I don't know even why the ones who are there more than to spout exposition, uh, even why they're in the movie. Who well, see, cares? How I'll tell they you tell why they're the, in the movie. Like, and and you, this is not something you would connect with, uh, having watched many movies with you over the year. This movie is about community. It's about it's like it's very Capra esque, right? Uh, mm. You you have this town and these people that can come together and make something good. And maybe the system, you know, if it's Washington D.C., actually it is Washington D.C. in a way. It's government. It's people around the world coming together for the common good and making something happen. Oh, we can be optimistic. Oh, and we can have Jimmy Stewart, aka Matt Damon, be on Mars and just talk and talk and tell us about the world and tell us about how it really works in terms of science or how it really works emotionally. I mean, I find the movie to be very Capra-esque in that way and, mm-hmm. and very optimistic and very... yeah. And there's no bad guy. There's No no one does anything wrong, basically. The one wrong it's funny. thing they do is all in the name of good. It's funny because I think Matt Damon's role in Interstellar really worked against him here because, you know, he's in a similar place, dressed identically, <laughs> um, and he's still Matt Damon. And I spent most of this movie waiting for him to be a titanic asshole uh, and kept thinking the worst of his character, which is not the movie's fault. But yeah. um, if you go in expecting Matt Damon to be a titanic asshole, yeah, again, no, do I feel like you're not meeting the movie where it lives. And divorce yourself. Titanic from asshole is Billy Zane. and only The character that is. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, just, I just really never 
gave a shit about anything that was happening because it just felt like it was telling me that this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And of course he's going to live long enough, get off the thing. And then by the time the third act builds to a very watered down version of the climactic scene from interstellar, uh, I really couldn't huh. care any, any less. Um, I, uh, did not, I don't hate this movie. I just thought it was, uh, dull beyond belief. And, uh, uh, I just like I, I would the exoticism of its setting didn't really do anything for me. Uh, after the first few minutes, where you like really come to grips with just how far removed he is from humanity, um, and that's sort of exciting. But I think I didn't really feel it in the interplay between his situation there and NASA on Earth. I think if they took a more castaway approach to it, and I am slow to give praise to Castaway, especially with the walk coming up. But I think that uh, that movie, which so sticks to Tom Hanks's point of view and really lets you into his isolation, um, would have been a, maybe a more effective way of telling this story. Uh, it is very hopeful, as Patches was saying. I don't necessarily know what that does for me. Like, yeah, I yeah. Just- I- I think the whole point of this is what Patches was saying about the Capra-esque nature of the ensemble, the fact that it is about everyone coming together. We've seen a lot of isolated survivor stories. I mean, I think the way the book jacket sold it was as Robinson Crusoe for, you know, modern times. Like, we get this sense of against all odds survival. It's what gravity was. And what is really lovely and optimistic about The Martian is it is about teamwork. It's about why it's worth it for us to save one individual, which... The book kind of ends on this coda, like really specific being like, I think people just like having one story to cling to. And the movie does, you know, gracefully doesn't underline that. It's just, it's got this great energy and lack of pretension about it that I really like. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a better movie than Gravity. I think Gravity does a lot of the same things better. But the way that it doesn't get into the spirituality of it, it gets into like really bare bones, kind of straightforward, not action movie, but like this is how we learn what space is. This is how we get from beat to beat. This is why... This rising tension but works. It's really I will elemental. Say, is this crap on Earth? I mean, like all of these things you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but that like, part is also. That movie, but, but that I stuff is also tense. Yeah, I, I do like a lot of what happens on Earth. I mean, mostly because of the actors. I like Chuetta for I like Jeff Daniels. I like them talking about how. You know, this can't be done. The numbers say it can't be done. Oh, wait, we can remember that we have this uh, this probe where we can go and we can, you know, find the sojourner on Mars or whatever. Like, they ha- they can figure out the problems. The answer, they, the wall they keep hitting is no, no, no. Money, money, uh, politics, it's just not going to work. And every time they come to their own conclusions. It's almost like being stuck on Earth is worse than being stuck on Mars, because at least on Mars you can do whatever the fuck you want. That's a nice thought, but it, I, that's, I think that is contrived and not supported by the movie. Really? I think there's no... Um, that's the whole thing. That's like the whole point. And, and Watney, Mark Watney even says it. He's like, I'm the best botanist on Mars because I'm the only botanist, and all these NASA schmucks think they can grow my potato plants from, you know, thousands of miles away. Well, if the people on Earth wanted to asphyxiate themselves with terrible gases, they could do it too. Uh, I think, I, I mean, I think that the bureaucratic stuff just is not meaningful. It's not given the time to become uh, intelligent or nuanced enough to mean anything other than, like, money, hard, bureaucratic choices, government. Like, it's just, like, it's very caveman-esque and simple, and, like, it's just not evolved enough to to match the 
technology that they use to save him and any of this stuff. And it's not, you know, as if uh, maybe if you see this as an astrophysicist and you can maybe be in lockstep with the people in the movie or a step ahead of them, it'll be fun, like a little game. But for me, they could be talking about gibberish and for all have I know they were. Games. And uh, I'm like, <laughs> okay, kids. Like, we have, we have this satellite. We can do this. Okay. I mean, like, I don't understand I, anything. I actually saying. think what's sacrificed here because it's, it's such a sprawling film and the cast is so gigantic is the people on the, the spaceship more than the earth stuff. That's the spaceship. People are the people I care about less like Kate Mara, Sebastian Stan, mm. and the very funny Michael Pena, all Michael kind of Pena having the, the only year. That's a human. That's a human moment that registers is when they have to have that decision about um, going back for him, going back, or mm-hmm. going to you know, going to get him, or, or going home. And uh, you know, they all speaking they very all... frankly about this film. By the way, I don't think we've really hit any spoilers, but we are we're dancing on an edge. So if people want to uh, scurry away from this and and keep, uh, we understand. Yeah, yes, we get it. But at a certain point in the film, they they have to decide whether or not they want to sacrifice another. Was it like uh, not fifty yeah, yeah, Don't don't get into detail. It's fine. Yeah, Just... It's a long. They have to choose between either going home, or like delaying their trip home for a while, versus going back and potentially saving the life of uh, their colleague, even though it might risk the, their own lives. Um, I mean, I think that's that's uh, a that's an interesting moment. Um, What's interesting, and and I think numbers and exposition actually support that decision more than than you'd expect, you know, hearing that they've been on this trip for so many months, that they became great friends, the magnitude of the mission and the travel and everything you undergo going to Mars. I, you know, even just saying that, I know that, that is tell don't show, but it, it struck me and it made, it made that feel more worn. I think that like a lot of what this movie relies on is a sense of isolation for Matt Damon's character and really feeling like he is, uh, as far away from humanity as he is, and that he's the only person on this planet. And I just, I, I, again, I have my major reservations about Interstellar to begin with, but I do feel like uh, there was something about how Christopher Nolan traced the trajectory from Earth through the wormhole to whatever ice planet they find Matt Damon on, or wherever any of these people are going, where I really felt just the, the sheer distance and like how uh, isolated they were. And I think... The, uh, this movie is a fundamental – its structure fundamentally fails the idea, uh, the visceral idea that it's most dedicated to conveying. I didn't really care about any of the characters, including Matt Damon. I actively disliked a lot of them. Uh, it's it's not a terrible movie. I just – Katie, I, 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 I like you, this you movie and I, so much. Yeah, you and I like – so I mean, there, into this there movie. There aren't a lot of action scenes. In the Martian, it's definitely a big budget movie, but there's not a lot of action. But it's totally no, watchable, but, right? But there's a lot of needing to be oriented in space and needing to know what things do and who is where and why and kind of problem solving that I think good action is about. And this kind of the it, had, it didn't really remind me of Avatar at all while we were watching it, but thinking about it and David kind of decrying the simplicity, which is part of what I like about it, which gives me more time to focus on the really remarkable things that you're seeing and understanding and how you can turn, you know, a nitrogen fuel cell into water. Like I think the simplicity really serves it in that way and does kind of use what, I mean, I don't know what great action movie Ridley Scott has made, but this kind of feels like he used those lessons to make the Martian. It's also really funny. Yeah, sorry. He made Alien, which is not really an action movie. Anyway. I was itching for – I actually I didn't think it was funny at all. I also maybe have just 
forgotten how to laugh because I didn't think the Michael Moore movie had a single funny joke in it either. Uh, and people were laughing at that. Um, but I, I was itching for this movie to violate its most uh, dedicated principles about science and just like drop a xenomorph in there like 90 minutes in. That would have <laughs> <Wow>. weird. <laughs> I would have, I would have been cackling. That would have been great. Oh no, there was a xenomorph in his poop potatoes. <laughs> I would have looked at I would have looked but, You know, of course, uh, um, you, it's hard not to think watching this movie, how long you would last. And I think in my case, somewhere between five and seven minutes. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean like whatever, I think he, there's some reference how he has enough morphine to give himself a lethal in, 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 injection. And like, I would have been there in five seconds. What? No, you wouldn't have. You, well, I mean, really? You're a the fighter. survival instinct is a big part of what this movie is about. And I think, um, when you get to that point where that option is available to you, I think there's still even against almost insurmountable odds. And of course, Matt Damon being a botanist knows that there is maybe the tiniest possibility that he can survive this. And for me, there wouldn't be, but I think at least you, you really, uh, the human nature to stretch that out for as long as you can. Well, lucky for all of us, no one is asking us to go to Mars because we don't have those okay. survival skills. So we go to Mars. Yeah, I'm in. Right. Just get that morphine ready just in case <laughs> things go south. Elon Musk wants you there. Um, so I think I'm predicting that David's going to wind up in the minority on The Martian, although oh, no, not many people other than critics have seen no it. Doubt. No, so, uh, no doubt. But I want to hear from, if there are any listeners who are with David here, uh, I want to hear from you guys oh, just we'll out of curiosity. Because I do like The Martian a lot, but I'm also intrigued by dissenting opinions. We, we should just wrap this conversation up and go back to your original point, Katie, which was Donald Glover's great, which oh, is yeah. fundamentally... I didn't say he was great. I just like him in it. I think he's unbelievably terrible in this movie. He totally (laughs) derails it. Is on another planet. He's the only one on another planet. Ah. Uh, What is he doing? He's he is slapsticky. He's Johnny Depping it up in this movie. I don't think that's a problem. I think the varying tones of The Martian can handle that. Like you've got someone kind of coming in from a different chapter of the movie and doing his thing and. But being why do we need silly. Such, why do we need a goofball? Can't we have? I don't like, know. Like what's the, interesting think, is there's a lot of real, or there's a lot of people who feel like real scientists. Um, I can't. I'm not sure what this guy's name is, but there's a there's a scientist, um, an Asian guy that that is working with Chuetla Gia for. Oh yeah, and who's awesome? He's really funny. And he's down to earth. And yeah, I like him. I'm pretty sure he's an actor. Uh, they're not. Yeah, I like, never. Heard I know him. that they worked with a bunch of actual. NASA scientists or the people at the Jet Propulsion Lab, and I'm not sure how many of them appear in the film. That guy had to be an actor. He, he, he definitely feels. Like, I've I mean, seen him in things presence. before. Yeah, he has a great presence, and but he feels lived in too. Like he can be kind of wacky and be like, "There's absolutely no way we can make this date," and then no, turn it around, let's do it. And you're like, "All right," um, and that that stuff is really funny. And then uh, fucking Donald, Donald Glover. Glover shows up, and he. I don't know. He's in a British comedy. He's like da, 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 coming up with equations. I'm into it. I think the uh, Democratic Capper esque vibe of the film says there's room for all kinds <laughs> of people doing weird stuff. Don't use my own. No, I'm going to me. using Frank Capper to defend Donald Glover. It's what Frank Capper would have wanted. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, so yeah, go see The Martian. Uh, see if you agree with David or agree with uh, the right thinking people of America. I think it. Ca- well, no, I think Matt Damon could get nominated for Oscars. I, the Mar- the movie itself, you know, it could happen. I don't. I'm not necessarily saying it will. It makes think everyone it good. feel good. Yeah, better even better than Gravity, and that movie did well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
You are you were the Mr. Potter of this Frank Capra celebration. Mm. Hey, Patches, what was this week's lightning round question? It was in honor of the intern. Wait, does the intern come out this week? Yeah. Yeah. What was it? It's pretty good. I liked it. You liked it. That's a great critical yeah. take. Uh, it's very, it's a very pleasant way What's to spend this, time. Like, very well designed. Reconsideration of Nancy Myers as if she is a good filmmaker. Is it because uh, I mean I understand because the Parent is, Trap is great. The Parent Trap is okay. The, uh, and and then it all went downhill from there. I understand that she is a a strong independent lady filmmaker making it in Hollywood. But this whole Nancy Myers like. She is a great filmmaker conversation. I don't get it at all. I look all. forward to this being the segment three on your next episode of this I, podcast. I guess I'll have to see the intern first. <laughs> Maybe that's putting into perspective for people. So, anyway, lightning round question. Yes, the lightning round question is, in honor of the intern, what movie office do you want to work in? David? Uh, let's see here. Um, hmm. I will go with Saul Goodman. That's clever. Uh, it's, it's at Man Booker Books. That's his name. Uh, Lester Corp on the seventh and a half floor. He is, of course, referencing being John Malkovich, uh, which I'm not sure if it's a company where I would want to work, given the boss's strange mental state. But uh, good movie. Ashes? Uh, I'm going to go with two people because they say, said the same thing. I'm going to go with at the J.S. Lewis. And I'm going to go with at Tyramosaurus. And they both said the cabin in the woods. Uh, mm. J.S. Lewis said, I'd be adding to that whiteboard all day long. And at Tyramosaurus says, because tequila is my lady. And he has the gif of them dancing in the office. But can I just say, also say, that's fucked up. Like, well, you want to work, you there work in the office where you're torturing south. teenagers? A lot, of, a lot of these. Well, yeah, that's But true. Patches, they're doing it to appease the, the gods. Gods, so yeah. that we can Spoiler continue alert. <laughs> life on Earth. Okay, yeah, a lot of these require you wanting to work at these offices before things go it does look wrong. A, yeah, that's true. There's a lot of office camaraderie in the cabin in the woods. They all yeah. seem to get along and enjoy their jobs. Even the interns are having a good time yeah. on the day of. Um, I'm going with Josh Oakley at Wine and Pop, who said the greeting card company and her, which I think is a pretty good answer, and then the Donut Time and Tangerine, which is a great answer. I don't think I could work there for good, but I would definitely spend a night working behind the counter at that insane donut shop where crazy shit happens. Everything, life itself, occurs there. Yeah, it really it would be it would make such a a great one night only experience that I would I would take that job. That is perfect. Uh, that does it for this week's Fighting in the War Room. We'll be back next week. Dave will hopefully be back from his current adventures. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, senior writer at Esquire.com, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Oh, I wanted to give one shout-out. My buddies have created a new podcast called Limetown, and it seems to be many people seem to be enjoying it. It is very serial-esque and X-Files-esque, and I'm encouraging everyone to listen to it. That's Limetown. Cool. Uh, my name is David Arlock. I am the associate film editor of Time Out New York and the editor of Large of Little White Lies. I don't have any other podcasts to plug but my own. Uh, and that's all I, Oh, you can find me on Twitter at David Arlock. There you go. Uh, I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at vanityfair.com 
We're on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And uh, on the Film Experience podcast sometimes at uh, filmexperience.net. It's uh, more Oscar season focused if you like me talking about that without David having to chime in and talk about how the Oscars are pointless. So, uh, Aren't you doing a, a new podcast soon? Or is that... Uh... Uh, yeah, there will be more details about that possibly available by the time you hear this. But uh, I'll talk about it more next week. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back talking to you next week. Thank you.